Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. friends and welcome to the secret podcast at service of change where we challenge reality questions we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change i'm your host dennis nappy the second with service of change it's about 11 15 p.m on friday evening february 10th 2017 i am absolutely exhausted as i'm trying to prepare for this evening's show going through document after document Web page after web page, blog post, news article, book after book, podcast after podcast, and even watch a documentary. I want to talk about vaccines. And there's just so much information out there. Uh, I'm going to talk about what I can, my experiences, my thoughts. I am not an expert in any way, shape, or form, but I want to talk about the problems surrounding the vaccine debate right now, the vaccine issues and what I'm going through as a parent. I'm not going to tell you whether or not you should vaccinate your children. I am going to tell you that you need to do your own research and I'll review the sources that I've been going through as well because I honestly don't know at this point. As you can hear, I have no voice left. I'm exhausted. But I think this is an important show to get into, an important show that needs to be done. So before we jump into the hotbed of information on vaccines. A couple things in the news, two things in the news in the interest of time I'd like to talk about. First one is called the first vertical forest in Asia to have over 3,000 plants and turn CO2 into 132 pounds of oxygen per day. This is fascinating. Uh, The article states that it's a good job that these vertical forests in Nanjing, China, are going to produce 132 pounds of oxygen every day because they'll literally take your breath away when you see them. They're called the Nanjing Towers, and once they've completed in 2018, they'll be Asia's first ever vertical forests. Designed by Italian architect Stefano Boeri, each tower will stand 656 feet and 354 feet respectively, and between them they'll house over 1,000 trees and approximately 2,500 shrubs from 23 different local species. I'll have the rest of this article linked in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. You can look at some really neat pictures. I guess they're a computer-generated imagery of what this could look like once this is rolled out, the engineer's drawings and stuff. Really cool stuff. Uh, so this gives us hope. You know, I, I look at this and I think, wow, we can really do this. We have the ingenuity. We have the technology. We have the ability to improve our current condition. And there's so much doom and gloom and dark stuff out there 
it's something like this. When I see something like this, I just think we have a shot, and we really do. Now, with that being said, my next story goes in the complete opposite direction here. It's called uh, Gun Games, New Shootout Sport Combines Real Guns and MMA Fighting. This looks like it's out of uh, Fox in L.A., Fox 11 from Los Angeles. Or maybe that's L.A., Louisiana. I'm not sure where this one is. But this is a game where they're using real handguns, uh, real weapons, but they're, fi- they're fitted with the paint rounds. Now, I've used these paint rounds in training as a police officer, and from a training standpoint, this is awesome stuff because you get your real weapon, you get the feel of the firearm going off in your hand, and it's non-lethal, and it's just paint. You know, it stings a little bit, but it's not a big deal. And these, these weapons are fitted so you can't put a lethal round in there. So if somebody snuck an actual bullet in there, they will not be able to, it will not fire in these firearms. And then once you run out of rounds, you can just go beat the crap out of each other in an MMA-style fight. This just seems so brutal to me, and I've been tracking different stories over the last couple months about how Hunger Games-type scenarios are becoming more and more prevalent. We're getting closer to that stage. Is this like the Colosseum and the Gladiators fighting it out in Rome to entertain the masses? You know, this is, I mean, the writing's on the wall. We're getting closer to that. So, you know, I'm all for good training. I really am, but making these things games... I'm just not a fan of it because it's an entertainment value and this should not be entertainment. This should be something that we take. This type of training is something that we should take very seriously. But we've got people doing it for fun now and people wanting to watch it on TV. I think we're going too far. I think it's going to desensitize us even further to witness atrocities and just say, well, it's entertainment, so we're okay watching that because whatever people get labeled that get put into these games may not deserve to be there, may not want to be there. So that's just something to think about and keep a close eye on in the future. All right, let me jump into let me jump into the bulk of this show. Talking about vaccines. And I, I honestly I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't know I, I don't know where I'm going with this, honestly. And I know that's not a good segue for you out there, but this is such as a father this is such a confusing subject for me. I'm not a scientist. I'm a father who's got two kids and one on the way. And this vaccine subject scares me. Because at the end of the day, you hear something that gets as much hype as this topic gets. And you say to yourself, well, I don't want to not look into it because God forbid one of my children ends up with autism or some other kind of disease. I'll feel horrible for going, well, everybody was talking about it, but I blindly trusted the authorities, and now look what happens. So I started looking into this, and one of the first places I went to was the CDC website. I needed a starting point, and that's, you know, who's responsible for saying, hey, this is, these are the shots that you should get, these are when you should get them. I looked at their 2017 recommended immunizations for children from birth through six years old. And uh, there's a whole laundry list of immunizations here that these that our children will be exposed to. And it's very intimidating for me as I'm looking at this. But I said, all right, let me break it down because I'm overwhelmed right now looking at all these immunizations. Are they safe? Are they not safe? And I started with, well, what's the how many shots is my child going to get you know, right when she's born? Hepatitis B shot is the only immunization that's recommended at birth. And that's within 12 hours of being born. 
So the question I asked was, well, why do they need to get it when they're first born? How's hepatitis B spread? Well, normally it's a sexually transmitted disease, but it can be passed, obviously, from mother to child during birth. If the mother does not have hepatitis B, well, then I'm not worried about my, the, my wife giving my child hepatitis B. The other way it can be transferred is through, obviously, bodily fluids. It does not have to be sexual fluids. I, I believe that can be... Uh, actually, I'm not sure if that is, includes saliva or not. But if my child, my question was, if my child is not at immediate risk because nobody in our family has hepatitis B, why does she need to get it within 12 hours of being born or prior to leaving the hospital? So I did a little bit of reading and basically what it was saying was that, well, there's people that can carry it and not be aware of it and they could come into contact with my child who could have an open cut or a sore or something or whatever and end up getting it that way. You know, my first reaction is, well, I think that's highly unlikely, but at the same time, then the same reason that I'm afraid of vaccines is the reason why I'm afraid not to get a vaccine, because then what if there's that one chance that someone comes into contact with my child that has hepatitis B and somehow gives it to my child? Now I'm going to feel horrible because that could lead to some type of liver failure or cancer. I mean, that's what they, that's what they say, you know, over the long term, that could be very serious for your kids. So great. Well, that doesn't help me at all. So they, they listed, you know, the sh- the types of shots that are out there. The I only got so far to go through one. It's called uh, Energix-B. And there's a whole bunch of, I, I downloaded a packet that I printed out. I highlighted a whole bunch of stuff. I wrote down a bunch of questions. I'm not going to bore you with all that stuff right now. But let's talk about the description. The description of Energix-B, which is the hepatitis B vaccine recombinant is a sterile suspension of non-infectious hepatitis B virus surface antigen for an intramuscular administration. It contains purified surface antigen of the virus obtained by culturally genetically engineering Saccharomyces cervaceae cells. I need to look that up and find out what they are. I don't know what those types of cells are, but I'm sure it's important to know. Which carry the surface antigen gene of the hepatitis B virus. It is expressed in cells as purified by several physiochemical steps and formulated as a suspension of the antigen absorbed on aluminum hydroxide. The procedures used to manufacture Energix B result in a product that contains no more than 5% yeast protein. Each 0.5 ml pediatric adolescent dose contains 10 micrograms of hepatitis B antigen absorbed on 0.25 micrograms aluminum as aluminum hydroxide. Well, that makes me a little bit nervous. I don't know what that is. So I looked up, what is aluminum hydroxide? And I found an article from everydayhealth.com, drugs slash drugs, aluminum hydroxide. I don't have the links in the show notes. Uh, And it states, aluminum is a naturally occurring mineral. Aluminum hydroxide is an antacid. Aluminum hydroxide is used to treat symptoms of increased stomach acids such as heartburn, upset stomach, sour stomach, or acid indigestion. Aluminum hydroxide is also used to reduce phosphate levels in people with certain kidney conditions. Okay, doesn't sound so bad, right? It may be used for other purposes not listed in this medication guide. Uh, Let's go on. Ask a doctor or pharmacist if it is safe. To take this medication if you have kidney disease, a history of kidney stones, severe constipation if you are dehydrated, or if you drink alcohol frequently. Do not take aluminum hydroxide for longer than two weeks without your doctor's advice. Avoid taking other medications at the same time you take aluminum hydroxide, and acids can make it harder for your body to absorb certain other drugs. 
But then it gets into, it is not known whether aluminum hydroxide is harmful to an unborn baby. Before taking this medication, tell your doctor if you're pregnant or plan to become pregnant during treatment. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. Aluminum, aluminum hydroxide may pass into breast milk and could harm a nursing baby. Do not use this medication without telling your doctor if you're breastfeeding a baby. That's my concern right there. It could harm a nursing baby. I don't know how, again, I don't know how much aluminum hydroxide would get passed into the breast milk that a nursing baby would then absorb. Is it the same amount that could possibly be in these shots? I don't know. Now, please don't take this information and say, oh my gosh, this is dangerous. I, I honestly don't know. And this is my frustration, and this is where I'm getting at because... Well, right now, I'm an amateur trying to do some research, but beyond being an amateur, I'm a father that's concerned. And it's hard for me to find anything that I can trust right now because of the state of affairs of our media, of our government, and specifically of our medical industry. Now, I've done a few shows talking about the cancer industry. I've witnessed the problems with the medical industry in regards to cancer and the corruption that goes with that because it, there's entities and portions of that that are for profit. And that's something I'm confident in with the research that I've done. So when you can't trust our, quote, trusted authorities, where do you turn? I'm trying to do my own research, which... It's, just, it's a lot of work because there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of technical jargon out there. And then both sides of this argument sound convincing to me. <laughs> it's, driving, it's absolutely driving me up the wall. So I figured, all right, I want to understand at least the argument as to why they're saying vaccines are bad because I don't fully understand that yet. And one of the things I heard, well, it's bad if because of the mercury and some of the other preservatives that are in there, which contain heavy metals, which may be linked to the causality factors or contributing factors to autism. Or the children themselves may have some type of disposition, some genetic disposition within them, that when they get these vaccines, those components within it are triggering them to then develop autism. So the vaccine is maybe a causality in certain children with certain conditions. I've also heard that children who have been on antibiotics just prior to getting certain vaccines, particularly the MMR vaccine, then have a greater chance of developing autism. I have yet to come across the studies and again, now, I'm not saying they're not out there. I haven't looked at these studies. I haven't found these studies yet dissecting this information. Now, last night, I want to say, and I'm not discrediting the movie at all, but I want to say I made the mistake of watching Vaxxed, which is the documentary talking about people whose children received the vaccine and then developed autism. It's about whistleblowers who are, or alleged whistleblowers and people speaking out against the research that's been done and the CDC and some of the key players within the CDC. And when I got through that movie, 
I, I was definitely in a panic, and I knew that was going to happen. And I, you know, I don't like to spread fear, and I'm not trying to do that. I'm spreading confusion right now because I think that's what's going on. I and mean, we got these issues with the fake news going. You just don't know who to trust. You don't know who to trust, and that's what's frustrating for me. So I, you know, I, I tried writing stuff down as as we're going through. Um, you know, basically one of the things they, they did, and I guess back in the 70s, you had a 1 in 15,000 chance of getting autism. This is from the Vaxxed movie. And they're, they're now projecting that by the year 2032, according to this, this documentary, one in two children will have autism. Now that's horrifying. That is absolutely horrifying. That is most of our lifetimes. Definitely the lifetime of my kids. That's going to be my grandkids. One and two. So that's very scary. Now, can we sit there and say, you know, it's vaccines are a possible factor? I'll say yes, because the vaccine schedule has increased. The amount of vaccinations that our children are getting has definitely increased, you know, over the years with what we're getting. Could it be something like chemtrails? Could it be something like pollution? Could it be something like GMO food and pesticides in our food? Absolutely. All of these things could possibly be contributing factors. I, I think this is somewhat of a crisis here. And I don't know that we're getting the proper attention addressing this crisis. Not that I've seen. Now, maybe there's just so much propaganda out there or so much BS out there that everything has become white noise. And I, I, like I said, I don't know who to believe. So this, they, the, you know, the the vaxxed people and and the people that are anti-vaccine are are presenting their data, and then you go to the CDC website and they flat out state that you cannot get autism from vaccines. So I start looking into this, and they list nine studies: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm counting out loud nine. And it states, and this is a PDF from the CDC, it says, Science Summary, CDC Studies on Thimerosal in Vaccines. Now, they were claiming that Thimerosal, which contains mercury, is the toxin that is leading to some children to develop autism. And it states, the evidence is clear, Thimerosal is not a toxin in vaccines, but merely a preservative, preventing contamination that has been used in vaccines for decades. This fact sheet provides a summary of thimerosal-related studies that were conducted by CDC or with CDC's involvement. And they go through all these studies basically saying, uh, you know, you're not going to get autism if you take a vaccine. So, okay, great. Well, the CDC, who's supposed to be our trusted authority, is saying that there's nothing to worry about. But then the problem that I get, the problems that I come into is number one, the testimony of these parents. It was very compelling. And, and they were tugging on my emotions, obviously, as a parent. They were showing videos of young children having seizures. So that's that's manipulating me. I will admit that right there. That, that's scary because you say, oh, I don't want that to happen to my kid. But I bet you if, they, if I was to watch a documentary that showed kids with polio suffering, I'd say, oh my gosh, I don't want that to happen with my kid. I need to get a vaccine. So we have to be careful in how we're consuming this information. And I understand it's dizzying. It's giving me a headache to even even talk about this. I listened to, earlier this week, the Higher Side Chats with Greg Carlwood. And he had a guest on. 
the guest was by the name of James Atar Grundvig. And he wrote a book called Master Manipulator, The Explosive True Story of Fraud, Embezzlement, and Government Betrayal at the CDC. And what's interesting is that the, the introduction for this book was written by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I'd love to read you this whole introduction. I, I'm not going to, number one, I don't want to take away the thunder from the book. I'll have the links to the book in the show notes. But what, what Robert Kennedy goes in to talk about is this guy by the name of Paul Thorson. I'll read some of it. He said, Paul Thorson used to see the public about evidence linking mercury-laced vaccines to autism. Prior to conducting his MMR study, Thorson used exclusions, quote, to eliminate children with autism from the target population. Employing this and an inventory of other magician subterfuges, Thorson authored a Danish study that, C- that CDC for years has been presenting as its gold standard evidence that thermarosol doesn't cause autism. This is a story of how CDC used a con man to pull the to gull the public and ended up getting conned itself. Paul Thorson is a world-class villain who manipulated the health data, gave CDC and Big Pharma what they wanted, a report clearing thermarosol of any possible role in the autism crisis. His story merits a book-length expose because the fraud he casually helped orchestrate has had a monumental impact on the health of millions of children globally. Now, I don't see his name in any of these studies that the CDC is claiming that, the, you know, that thermarosol causes autism. I don't see his name there because it lists everybody who conducted these nine studies that they're listing. <clears throat> I don't know that that directly discredits the book. Like I said, there's, there's so much information on either side. But it goes in to talk about how not only did he use bad science, basically, to formulate this study that said there's no correlation. But he was ultimately stealing uh, all this money as well and has been indicted and is a wanted fugitive. Yet the United States refuses. They know exactly where he is, yet the United States refuses to go after him and, and bring him to justice. And what the author proposes that there's a chance that he believes that if this guy was to come to justice, that he'd then be blowing the whistle on everybody and bring the whole ship down and expose everything. That's speculation. We don't know what he knows. Uh, I haven't read this book yet. But then it goes on to name some other people in this study, and I'm going to try to pull them up here. So Dr. Mercola, through his website, talks about the president, Julie Gerberding, and it says she said in a news interview that she's very bullish on vaccines and that she recounted the various ways she helps Merck sell products. What she didn't divulge was her motivation for leaving her job as director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, an agency charged with overseeing vaccines and drug companies, and joined Merck in the first place back in January 2010. So the former head of the CDC left the CDC to become president of Merck who makes the vaccines. And in the process, she sold, I forget, 31,000 of her shares or something and made over $2 million. There's a conflict of interest there. We have people going from the CDC where they could potentially say, hey, yeah, we'll approve your stuff and say that it's safe. And now we're going to go get this high multi-million dollar paying job 
because I, you know, I did all this good stuff for you. So where does it stop? This is why I don't trust the CDC. Now, in these articles and blog posts that I'm reading, these people who are in key positions or in key investigative positions at the CDC also have ties from what they're saying to the Agent Orange investigations saying that, nope, there's no correlation between Agent Orange and all the cancers that the Vietnam vets came home with. And the way that story goes, according to this research that I've been reading, is that the CDC actually stopped its investigation, or the lead investigator through the CDC stopped their investigation midway through and refused to look at data that was available, although they said it wasn't, somewhere in, in Harrisburg in Pennsylvania. The data showed the correlation. What they were looking for was where was the Agent Orange spread and where were the troops at that time? And they never looked at that data. Therefore, they were able to say, you know what? These troops don't, in fact, uh, there's no correlation between Agent Orange and the cancer. Side note, who made Agent Orange? Monsanto, who makes GMOs, who makes our food. Cancer's on the rise. Everything's just intertwined. And with my cancer research, we're seeing people with the FDA and the American Medical Association harassing doctors who are trying to use wellness care, health care, treat with herbs and vegetables and, and promoting a healthy diet to prevent cancer and to treat cancer because big pharma's not making any money that way. That's my frustration and my confusion. I, I don't trust these entities and these organizations because you have people that are in key positions to make decisions about the health care and well-being of my children that are also in positions to make a whole lot of money if the products that they're saying are safe are selling. That's my concern. Now, I was talking about this with my wife and talking about some of the research that was presented in this movie, Vaxxed, and she said, you know, basically that then these people would have to be aware, if they're falsifying studies, they'd have to be aware that all of these children are ending up with autism, so that they're knowingly giving autism. She says, do you really think people would willingly and knowingly do that? And I had to pause for a second, and I realized that so many of us just have a blind trust in authority. But what Vaxxed presented, when I looked up online as well and found there was, back in the 90s, a vaccine that was released in Canada, and that vaccine caused meningitis. That vaccine was pulled off the shelves, given a different name, and then released in Britain. It was then pulled off the shelves, given a different name, and then released in Brazil. In all three countries, you had outbreaks of meningitis. So not only that, we'll look at things like the Holocaust and things that Hitler did. We'll look at the sugar industry alone. I covered this a while ago, how the sugar industry has been caught. They falsified science and blamed cholesterol for heart disease and all these other health problems when, in fact, they found the correlation that it was sugar and they paid to have that information buried and now sugar is in just about everything we eat in the American diet. Think of how many people have died from diabetes and obesity and heart attack and sugar is a causality of that. It has shaped the American diet and thousands, probably millions of people have died due to that being a contributing factor. So do I think that people would manipulate data 
and knowingly put the lives and the health and the wellness of other people to include children at risk? Well, I know they do. That's a part of our society right now. So does that mean that these people are knowingly pushing a vaccine that's dangerous? I, I don't know. I've been vaccinated throughout my life as a kid. I got my vaccines. I'm okay. My son and my daughter, you know, my son is four, my daughter's almost three. They've received several vaccines and, you know, they don't have autism. They have had some issues. I don't, I, you know, some, I, I don't know. I don't know now. Now I question everything. Does it Has it weakened their immune systems? Has it caused them to have some of the medical issues that we've had to deal with with my children? Or are they environmental? Are they things that they've been consuming that they've eaten? I, I just don't know. And that's my frustration with this. And I wish that this show, I could give us something more. I wish I could give you a concrete. I can't. What I can say is that we need to stop attacking parents who say, hey, I'm afraid. I, I don't know what the truth is. I can't find a good answer. The closest I've gotten is it's a good idea to maybe spread out some of these vaccines. Don't get everything all at once so your, your child can absorb it and push it through and get the vaccines that are preservative-free, that don't have the thimerosal and the heavy metals in it. So far, that's the best compromise that I've come up with. I don't know if that's enough. I don't think, as of right now, that the idea of a vaccine is bad. I think that the production process and the things that are inside that vaccine in addition to the actual vaccine itself may be harmful. But I don't know. It just scares me to give this stuff to a, to a young child. Would they be better off letting their immune system get stronger? I mean, the things that I've been learning holistically is that the human body has a remarkable ability to fight off disease and infection. But yet, then you can make arguments, look at the bubonic plague that killed off so many people. But were they eating an optimally health, healthy diet? Did they have the proper amounts of nutrients and vitamin D and vitamin C um, in their systems? Did they have a strong immune system to face something like a serious flu or a plague? I don't know that information, but I wonder if we had a very healthy diet designed to boost our children's immune systems, would we have to worry about getting a vaccine or would we be strong enough to fight it off? Because they say there's people that have, I was listening to a, a discussion about the polio virus and it said that there's people that carry the polio virus that never present symptoms. Well, what is it about them that they're able to fight this virus off without any symptoms and somebody else? Where's the studies there? And I'm not saying these studies don't exist, but is it something as simple as their immune system is stronger because their diet is different? I don't. I have more questions than I do answers. And you, I, I've read so many articles from people with doctor attached to their name, where they say vaccines are bad. There's alternatives on other ways to take care of yourself. And I've read so many articles with 
doctors behind people's names that say vaccines are safe and we need to prevent disease. So what it sounds like is both sides are really scaring the crap out of us. And especially me, I'm caught in the middle of it right now. And this is the danger of fear-mongering. Instead of everybody just saying, hey, let's work together and let's address these concerns. Because you see these politicians and these people with the CDC when they're asked a question, they dance around it. This woman that I, that I mentioned, um, you know, Julie Gerberdine, she danced around the answers in this documentary, Vax. She was definitely playing politics and not wanting to answer questions. The, the one congressman was asking her, have you ever done a study that shows, that, that, that compares children who weren't vaccinated to children who were vaccinated? And she gave some long answer that didn't answer the question. And he says, you did not answer my question. I don't have a lot of time. Answer me directly. Have you ever done this study? And her answer was no. Well, that's why hasn't that study been done? I don't know. I don't know enough. Maybe that study's been done since this documentary came out. Maybe that study's been done since that discussion has taken place. I've yet to find it. But maybe it's out there. What would it take for me to feel safe? Uh, Definitely a study like that. Uh, Maybe something that is preservative-free, you know, for sure. Uh, I don't know. I I honestly don't know. So i you know, to my listeners out there, you know, th- this show is is more just, we, we need to be mindful of what we put out there. We need to be mindful of our criticisms of people who have these concerns over vaccines. And I don't think it's an open and shut case. I don't think, I- until I can find something, you know, I'm an educated guy and I'm having trouble navigating through this. So we need something presented in a way that's going to show us research with credible scientists that we can present to the other side. At this point, I think the government has that responsibility because if vaccines are that important and you have people who are saying, I don't trust you as the government and I don't trust vaccines, I'm not going to vaccinate my kid, if that is a real risk of threatening the entire herd by people not being vaccinated, then I think the government needs to take that response and say, okay, let's do the studies that they're asking for that will appease these fears. And let's go directly to these people who are arguing with us and have an open discussion, a public discussion, a public hearing, and work together and show this science. Let them oversee these studies, work together for the benefit of everybody, because I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I know for a fact that my kid's not going to get a vaccine that has any of these preservatives in it. That's a given for me. And I'm probably going to um, modify the vaccine schedule. At this point, that's where I'm at. I've still got a little bit of time where I can do a little bit more research and talk with my wife and, and decide um, you know, w- w- what might be more appropriate for us. And obviously, I do my own holistic stuff in boosting my children's immune systems naturally through the foods that we eat and, and on a daily basis. And when they get sick, my children don't get antibiotics. I'm not saying I w- I'm opposed to giving them an antibiotic. If they had something that was very serious and that was one of the options presented, I would strongly consider it. But I've treated the majority of my children's ailments with with my own herbs and, and food and diet. So but that's my own choice. That's a whole different show. I've covered that in several other podcasts. I, I think, I don't want to say I beat this thing to death. I just, I, I can't get any clearer 
this is pretty muddy for me. So I'm going to go ahead and end the show here. I will have uh, a wealth of links that I've been looking at. I can't. I just can't go through everything that I've gone through. I hope I gave a decent summary of what at least the point that I'm at right here. If you have more information, if you have a good clear link or research or something, please send it my way so then I can share it with the rest of, of my listeners out there. Um, I, because I, I would love to, to get to the bottom of this. I'm, I'm genuinely coming at you at this point from a state of confusion. So uh, I hope that somebody out there that's listening has a good solid resource that I can look at and, and get a warm and fuzzy in one direction or the other. So I'd like to thank you for uh, for taking the time to listen to me basically whine about this all night long, but I'm, I'm stuck, and it's uh, it's definitely got me concerned. So again, to my listeners out there, thank you so very much. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.